Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. How do you identify a good commercial property with a bad commercial property? That's the million dollar question. Well, join me at this podcast and I'll show you how to identify a good property versus a bad property. But the most important thing is what's suitable for you might not be suitable for others. So let's lay out this strategy so you totally understand what to look for when you buy your first commercial property. So there's lots of naysayers in the market when you go into commercial property. A lot of people tell you what not to buy in commercial property rather than what you should buy. So you're confused as to which is the correct commercial property for you and which isn't. And as a result, you stop looking and it all becomes all too hard. But what you really want to know is what's a good commercial property versus a bad commercial property. You see, really in commercial property space, there isn't such a good commercial property versus a bad commercial property. It is actually build around what you're looking for in terms of an end result. So if you're looking for a set and forget property, you will not buy a vacant property. So in your mind, a vacant property is actually a bad property if you're looking for a set and forget. But if you're looking for a property with an uplift, then obviously uh, a tenanted property is not suitable for you because that's not going to give you the uplift in the future. So when you are looking for an uplift property, a tenanted property is a bad property. So it's all a matter of perspective. But here are some general things we normally look at when we are assessing properties for good or bad. So number one, we look at we look at the tenant itself. So who is the tenant? How sticky are they? Are they like to stay on for the long term or have they refurbished and increased the value of this property? And if they're not there, how can you change the premise to make sure that you can entice other tenants? Number two we look for is the lease terms of the property. So your tenant may be a particular type of tenant. So for example, if they were a government tenant, then they are on two-year rolling leases potentially because of the funding and the grant. So that could be an NDIS tenant. That could be a tenant that is on a particular initiative the government's on. It could be an employment agency or any of the non-government organizations. So they traditionally are a sticky tenant, but they may be in the middle of only a two-year lease, which for you, you may want a three- or five-year lease, which will make that not such an ideal tenant. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad property or it's a bad deal. It's actually all tenant-related. So if you are looking for, for example, a three- or five-year lease, then perhaps a government tenant is not right for you, and you actually need to find a property that has a tenant that may be a trade tenant or a professional tenant that has a longevity, can stay there for three or five years. Uh, even though you know your, your government tenant is likely to stay that long, they just can't give you that certainty you're looking for. And number three, we're looking at the location and versatility of the property. So for some of you, you want to be buying a property that's a destination tenant. So for example, if you're buying a, a property like a KFC, or a Macca's, a childcare center, or petrol station. They are destination tenants. They have their purposely built often for the tenant, and they can have one single use. It's very hard to re 
repurpose or reposition that property. But as a destination tenant, they work really well. doesn't matter where they are. People will always find them. People will always go there because there is a particular need. That's like a surgery, like a day surgery, or perhaps like a medical center or a specialist clinic. You will always find them even though they may be slightly further away from where you are or they may be in a place that's really inconvenient for parking. But, you know, because of their reputation, because what you need to, to get done, you will always go to them. So for some of you, though, who want versatility in the premise, that might be a bad deal. But in actual fact, for someone who wants the longevity of having that tenant there all the time, that's not a bad deal. So you see, it's a matter of perspective. If you're looking for a premise that's versatile, that can go from a dentist to a hairdresser to a restaurant, then you're ideally looking for a premise that may be a ground floor retail tenant, but something that has these attributes. So it may be that it has access to a grease trap, even though your dentist tenant is not going to need it, but later on down the track, your cafe tenant's going to need it. It may have access to uh, plumbing that you your dentist is going to need and in the future your hairdressing tenant is going to need as well so it might have certain electrical points or certain data points that may be best for later on if you have a professional tenant like an IT company or even a, a government type NGO might come in and they need particular data points in there. So you may be work needing to find a property that has these type of attributes. So for example, a warehouse with three-phase power is always very popular, very important because if you are going to attract a tenant that may want to do uh, commercial cooking, or they may want to do cold storage, or they may want to do some kind of production, they're going to need three-phase power. Uh, whereas compared to a normal trade tenant, which might only be doing some minor mechanic works, or be treating it as a warehouse storage space. So you want to have that versatility. So it's important, depending on your end goal, to, to determine whether you need versatility in the property as well. And that flows on to the number four thing about location. People talk about location, location, location. Now, that's extremely important for a residential property. For a commercial property, it's really about access. It's actually about how clients can access you. So if you are a a logistics company you want to be located maybe not in the center of the city or a hub you actually want to be located outside in a different area so you might be in a business park or even standalone where you're closer to major roads and highways so that you can get on the road with your freight and with your stock straight away and other people can deliver things to your premise easily rather than having parking issues and access issues if you're in the city now if you were looking for a property that may be easily tenable, then access uh, may become less important, but the location of the property becomes more important. So that if you were looking at one that you could swap out the tenant and get a new tenant in there in a relatively short space of time, well, having a a property that's outside of the hub may be finding it harder to re-tenant because your your tenant pool is limited. Whereas if you bought a property in the center of the hub or the city or the area, it'll be easy for you to replace the tenant. But the downside is the access may be an issue because you might be in the battle of a battle the back of another property so a battle axe or you may find that parking is an issue because there's just not that much street parking around alternatively major cars or major trucks come back into your driveway and 
as a result, you're going to lose a proportion of the tenant because those who are needing heavy industry won't come to your property, but generally you will cover 80% of the tenant pool. So the versatility and the location balances itself out and it's some it's in is related factors you should look for when you're looking at a good deal versus a bad deal. Now, remember a good deal versus a bad deal really depends on who you are and what kind of end goal so if you're looking for that again industrialized tenant and you want to do some land banking uh, a tenant that's in the fringe in the outskirts will suit your purpose perfectly if you're looking for something that's going to have a lower chance of vacancies something that is more flexible uh, something that is in a prime location that potentially will give you higher capital growth in a short space of time then a metro property that's a smaller warehouse will probably be or a smaller retail store or a or office space or an office building would be more suitable for you as your end goal compared to someone that's heavy industrial on large pieces of land outside the hub and ultimately when you want to work out how uh, your long-term goals reflect of what you should be buying right now in your commercial property journey, reach out to me at helentarrant.com through the Contact Us page or email me at helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au booking a strategy session and I can go through for you what for you is a good deal in comparison to a bad deal. And finally, talking about that, let's come to the last point is price point. Price point and returns. So those two are again interrelated. And the reason they're interrelated is because sometimes at a certain price point you can only get a certain returns so for example if you're looking for a property under let's say 500,000 it's a very competitive market because anybody can pull out $150,000 from their equity if they have equity from previous investments and do a commercial property deal under 500,000 it's also very popular for self-managed super funds and for anyone who can come together with perhaps a brother or a sister or another family member or even a business partner and do one joint deal so that's why it's very popular and also for someone who's starting out they're likely to buy at the cheaper range of the price point so under 500,000 so it's very very competitive and as a result of that the returns actually shrink so you're going to get less returns on the lower end of the scale especially if you're looking for more metro driven properties in metro areas that's low risk as well because we're constantly balancing out cash flow with growth risk with security and if your price point is lower then you're going to find that you're going to have lower returns now as you go up the the bracket the purchase brackets to 500 to a mil so the under the million dollar mark you're going to find you're going to get slightly better returns but you are also limited in your stock so for example if you wanted a freestanding property now between 500,000 and a million dollars you can get a freestanding property but most likely you're not going to be able to get that in Sydney or Melbourne but you're probably going to be able to get that in regional areas so perhaps if you are buying in Brisbane an area like Ipswich or an area like Toowoomba perhaps if you're buying in Sydney you might have to go to a Nowra or Longong area or further down or maybe even further up into the central coast or maybe into a Maitland or a Singleton to be looking at freestanding buildings around that million dollar mark and again that when you're looking at freestanding versus strata you're going to find there's quite a lot of competition for freestanding so you're going to pay a little bit more and going to have less returns and flowing on from that, when you go on to the sub 
$2 million range, between $1 million to $2 million, you're going to have less competition than if you're in the sub $1 million range, and you will have a little bit more return. So the further up you go on the scale, you'll have a bit more return. But ultimately, the the amount of money really is dependent on how much you have in hand and how much you want to be able to leverage yourself. And then you have to match market in terms of returns. If you want a higher return, you have to go slightly further out into regional areas or into fringe areas to be able to achieve that. And then we're trying to balance out. So really, when you look at what's a good deal, what's a bad deal, it's actually very deal specific. Then this is where the expertise comes into finding a buyer's agent who actually knows exactly what they're looking for. Every single day, one of the things I do with my clients is I look at all of those elements and I determine what's a good deal for them in comparison to what a bad deal. So like I said, sometimes it's the deals that I reject that makes me the best in the industry because purely that by looking at a client and what their profile is, what their risk profile, I can look at the whole holistic approach and say, for you, a good deal is a metro property under a million dollars yielding between six to seven percent that's likely to give you growth in the back end or for another client i'm going to advise that it's better that they buy an industrial property in outside of the hub but in still in a good like business park or a good business area where there's access to major roads and be able to have land banking there for the next five years because for them the land value is more important and they've got a long-term goal uh, that they want to be able to hold uh, for a long term and they're not in such a hurry to refinance well i have another client who will need to pull out the equity from their property in a short space of time and go into their second deal so your ultimate goal determines what's a good deal for you you and a bad deal so it's not as a generalization you can say this is a good deal this is a bad deal it's actually very specific and that also comes down to when sometimes you think about well if I find a dump of a place and a lot of people say well the dump of a place I really wouldn't I wouldn't touch it well, why would someone go in and refurbish that property and then put a new tenant in? Because ultimately what they're looking for is not immediate cash flow. They're looking for the gain on the back end. So if they come from a developing or development back ground they may not need that cash flow they're used to getting the chunk money at the end so they will take a rundown warehouse or a rundown office building a vacant retail property in a vacant property uh, precinct when there's a lot of vacancies because they're not scared they go in and they know exactly what they're doing they refurbish the area change the facade put new tenants in and get that uplift and then sell it um, someone who is uh more conservative i would say and they want to buy something that's more set and forget so in that sense uh different deals for different people have different characteristics and to them certain deals they wouldn't touch because it's it's not the right deal for them and that's the hardest part about getting into commercial property is actually identifying what exactly is the right deal for you so if you want help with that reach out to me at helentarrant.com or email me at helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au because one of the things that I offer is a free strategy call where I can map out for you what is the best property for you to buy as your first property commercial or if you're already along your journey and you just want to tweak your portfolio a little bit and find something else that is going to give you a better return then reach out to me as well because I can give you some advice and look at what's the next deal to balance out your portfolio, which is always about, remember, growth versus cash flow, security versus risk.
And ultimately, those two things balance out in terms of a location, in terms of a purchase price, and then finally in terms of a yield as a return. So until next time, I hope this has been really helpful for you to understand what to look for in a good deal and a bad deal. I look forward to sharing with you more tidbits on commercial property. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.